Time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeVell, and Joe Bruno. Giants fans, oh, it's your time. It's your time. It's time to celebrate. Oh, baby. The Giants have won two straight games. Back-to-back wins. Scott, celebrate. We have relevant football to talk about today, pal. Can Frank Horton says the Giants may have saved Thanksgiving. They might. They just might. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Nick and Scott here. Scott, how we doing today, buddy? Great. You know, uh, there's a lot going on in the old uh, New York sports scene, even if it's a sport that is not currently in season. Yeah, a lot of we got a lot of juicy rumors to talk about concerning Yankees, Mets, Knicks, Nets. We got a lot of juicy rumors to talk about, but to headline the show today. The New York Giants, like I said, playing meaningful football before Thanksgiving. Now, after the start of the season, could we have ever thought we would say this in week 10 of the season? Couldn't couldn't think so, right? Especially after they started 0-5. Exactly. Back-to-back wins for the New York Giants, beating the Eagles, finally getting over that hump. I I didn't know this until, you know, the game, you know, until we watched the game. They haven't beaten the Eagles since 2016. Unbelievable. Daniel Jones was 0-16 in his first two seasons against teams other than the Washington football team right? before uh, Sunday. Right. But I, I think, personally, this is this is probably the biggest win of the season for the Giants, and they needed to win this game if they really wanted to stay relevant in the NFC least uh, discussion, of course. But it's just I think the Giants are the best team in the division. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But this Philadelphia Eagles team, like, is just, well, they're just, I know every team in the NFC East is bad, but the Eagles are, like, derailing. It's it's not it's not good. It's not good for them. And it's not good for my, you know, formerly my top head coaching candidate, Doug Peterson, because you know, the guy loves to go for two. You know, he's he's getting grilled all the time in the, in the Philadelphia media, rightfully so, probably. And he's getting blamed for a lot of the coaching issues going on there in Philadelphia, but... How bad does Carson Wentz look, pal? It's 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 a fall from grace. Well, no, I guess you could say a fall from grace, yeah. He looks really bad. And, I mean, this is kind of the first game where 
he had some sort of weapons around him. I mean, he had Miles Sanders, Boston Scott available. Miles Sanders had a good day running the ball, 85 yards on 15 carries. Um, you know, Boston Scott ran off or rattled off that big touchdown run. Um, but then, you know, receiving, he had Richard Rodgers. Uh, it was kind of like their backup third string tight end. I think they just um, activated Zach Ertz off IR or they designated him to return. So they have 21 days to activate him back to the um, active roster. He'd be out for the entire year. You know, Jalen Rieger, a promising rookie, came back last or uh, yeah, last week against the Cowboys, put up, had a good game. I think he scored a touchdown. Uh, then put up four for 47, um, you know, in this game. And then just going on like Greg Ward, Dallas Goddard. Fulgham had a really bad game, which, you know, was very good for the Giants to keep him quiet because uh, I think he had four straight or five straight games of 73-plus yards before uh, Sunday. And a total of eight then, yards. You know, Al- he had a, one target for eight yards yeah. on Sunday. And then um, Alshon Jeffrey came back too, and obviously he didn't put up any numbers. He went zero catches for zero yards, so – you know, Carson Wentz, no touchdowns, uh, no no interceptions. He actually, you know, kept the ball out of the uh, turnover uh, category. But, you know, 21 for 37, 208. People, you know, expected Carson Wentz to be this big thing. And, you know, I think people, you know, maybe don't forget it, but maybe overlook it a little bit is he didn't win the Super Bowl for the Eagles three years no. ago. No. It was all, all Nick Foles. And, I don't think Eagles fans really, you know, have that much, you know, have that big of a connection with Carson Wentz because I think he just continues to like let them down. And when he does play in big games, I mean, you saw it last year too. He played in that uh, playoff game uh, against Seattle where he got hurt. I mean, you know, you can argue if it was a dirty hit or not with Clowney, but you know, he, he gets hurt in the big moments and then they have to turn to a backup. Like how, how much longer until the Eagles kind of decide that, you know, do we have to move on from this guy? I mean, he he has. They do have Jalen Hurts in their back pocket. I mean, and they seem to be really using him in the offense uh, quite a little bit more every week. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's just you know, obviously he shows flashes of brilliance where he makes those plays. Like, what the heck did he just do? How did he do that? And then you know, he has games where he's very mediocre. You could almost say below average. And I think it. The Eagles are very lucky they play in the NFC East because that allows them to get to the playoffs every year. But, you know, I think that's what's kind of keeping Carson Wentz afloat right now is that they do make the playoffs every year. And, you know, even though the Giants are making a run right now, I think it's kind of unfortunate that the Giants have their bye week this week just because, you know, they're hitting a stride. They've played well, like, four straight weeks. Yeah. Uh, you look at the – I think they've, been, the I think they've they played lost. well all season. They've been in close games all season long. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could almost say, you know – they played well against Pittsburgh, you know, 10-point loss, but looking where Pittsburgh is right now, that's not really that bad. You know, you have the four-point loss to Chicago week two where um, they have a chance to win at the end of the game, and Daniel Jones doesn't complete the pass uh, in the end zone for a touchdown. Then they got blown out by San Francisco, which that was the dud of the year so far. They just looked horrible. Uh, the Rams, 17-9, I mean, they just couldn't get anything going on offense, but the defense stood really strong in that game. Um, Dallas 37, 34 loss. That's the game where Dak got hurt. Um, they were in that game the entire way. And honestly, they should have won because they had that BS, uh, illegal formation penalty on the fake field goal yep. that they had. That should have been a touch and they should have won that game. Then they, you know, beat Washington 20 to 19 to get their first win. They lost to Philly another game. They should have won 22, 21 on Thursday night football. They lose a heartbreaker to Tampa on Monday night football. And then, you know, they beat Washington and Philadelphia the last two games. 
this team's starting to roll. And, you know, the record doesn't look like that. Uh, but, you know, you have a bye week and then you go to Cincinnati, another very winnable game, which the Giants have to have if they have any aspirations have of winning this division. Because if you look at the schedules, I have the Giants and the Eagles schedules uh, up right here. The Giants, obviously, like I said, have their bye week this week. And they go to Cincinnati, has to be a win. Absolutely has to. Then they go to Seattle, which most likely will probably be a loss. But, you know, honestly, the way Seattle's playing right now, um, you know, let's hope the Giants win because that will help the Jets draft pick. Absolutely. Um, then they go, they host Arizona, which I think, you know, they're, they look better than the Seahawks right now. I think, you know, the Giants will have a tough time containing Kyler Murray and uh, DeAndre Hopkins with that insane Hail Mary catch he had on Sunday. Uh, that saved your pick right there that they oh, need on the two-point Thankful, conversion. thankful. And screw <laughs> you, Nick Chubb, just to add. Uh, yeah, that's oh, that was tough. What um, a douche. Speaking of Nick Chubb, then they welcome in the Browns um, on December 20th. Um, honestly, that could be a win. I, I think, you know, you never know what you're going to get from Baker Mayfield. No. As much as we love Baker on this show, you never know what you're going to get from Baker. Never. Um, then they go to Baltimore. Uh I think they could struggle in that game. That'll probably be a loss. And then they play, they host Dallas in the last game of the season. Um, so I think you have at least two wins on this, maybe three. If they can go three and three to finish out, it'd be six and 10. They might actually <laughs> maybe be that'll in win the, the race division. for the division. Maybe but that wins like, the division. Let's look at the Eagles schedule. They play Cleveland this week, which if you're a Giants fan, you're hoping that the Browns beat them. Uh, then they host Seattle on Monday night football. That's, that's probably going to be a loss. But it'll be, I think it'll Bay. be. Cl- I think that game will be a little closer if the, if the Seahawks are still playing like they're playing right now. That game will be a lot closer than you think. That's true. I mean, Carson Wentz could have a field day against that defense, considering uh, you know former New York Jet Jamal Adams doesn't want to mm, tackle anymore. Not looking too. They, you know, he's afraid of contact. Um, then they go to Green Bay. I, I don't see the Eagles winning in Green Bay. No. Nope. Uh, then they play New Orleans at home. I, you know, depending on how Drew Brees' injury pans out right now. Uh, people are saying that he could be back in like three weeks from multiple fractured ribs and a collapse along, which I don't really know how that's going to happen, but better. You know, we'll my see. fantasy football team relies heavily on that. Yeah. Um, and then they go to Arizona and the last two weeks, you know, they have pretty easy games. They play at Dallas and then versus uh, the football team, the Eagles do. So honestly, the Eagles could be looking at six straight losses, which would put them at three 11 and one. And the Giants actually, you know, the Giants, if they win those three games of Cleveland, um, Dallas, and the Bengals would be six and ten, and the Eagles would be five, eleven, and one, and the Giants would win the division and host a playoff game. <laughs> Listen, the 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 way the only way that this happens, well, the you know, a lot of things have to go into account here, but the only way that the Giants make that happen. Six wins, maybe seven wins, make that possible. Is if Daniel Jones continues to play how he's been playing the last two weeks, turnover free football. You know, we talk we talk about what he did in this game. The big thirty four yard touchdown run on the opening drive of the game was just, I mean, opened it up for the Giants, and it really, really set the tone of how the game would go from there on out. And the thing about that was continued to be a threat running that running the ball down the field. The run game wasn't, you know, the run game again. You know, I said this last week that. When the Giants get the run game going, that's when they win football games. You know, we saw it, we saw it two weeks ago. We saw it this past week. Wayne Gallman has had at least one touchdown, I think, in four straight games. And he scored two touchdowns this past week. He went for 53 yards. Alfred Morris, the former, you know, player for the Washington football team, went 34 yards. He's contributing a little bit. 
you know, it's not ideal that your quarterback, you know, Daniel Jones is rushing for 64 yards and he's your leading rusher almost every week. But, hey, you do it how you got to do it. But having Daniel Jones, you know, being having to run the football made the Eagles defense accountable for that. They had to watch out for that. And I think that really opened up the pass game a little bit. He was able to convert, like, short conversions third on second and third down to guys like Slayton and, and uh, Shepard. And that and the Giants really took advantage of what the Eagles were giving to them. And then eventually they would take shots downfield, you know, to Slayton and Golden Tate, you know, and they just executed it well. Again, giving, taking what the Eagles gave to them. And for the second week in a row, Daniel Jones commits no turnovers. I think that's the story. I think he plays, I think he's played his best game last week against the Eagles. That was his best game of the season. And I don't think it's even, you know, you can't even argue that. And he finally beats somebody besides the Washington football team, which you really want to see, considering he's only beaten them and Tampa Bay in there. I think the Giants' first win last year was on the road against Tampa. And it's, you know, it's a big confidence booster. And he, and Daniel Jones at this moment is playing his best offensive football. But that's the only way that the New York Giants will have even the slightest chance of winning this division. Yeah, and, you know, I think one big thing that Jason Garrett's starting to figure out and, then you know, it's really helping this team is, they're using Daniel Jones's legs to make plays too. That's he what we've been preaching. We've been preaching designed runs for this guy. Have to do it. Yeah, and you know he had that one uh, touchdown run early in the game, and then had one negated on Andrew Thomas holding penalty at the end. Um, that of course but, could have know, cost the fact them. That he's what? That of course could have cost them. Oh yeah, um, but you know Daniel Jones, twenty-one for twenty-eight, two hundred and forty-four yards. Obviously, doesn't throw for a touchdown like you mentioned. No turnovers. But that's very efficient, and you know you're averaging ten plus yards per completion, which is always, I think, a baseline that you want to shoot for. Um, and then you look at you know rushing Wayne Gallman, eighteen for fifty three for two touchdowns, uh, really makes you question, you know, that pick of Saquon Barkley, how much, uh, how much effect the, the that, value you know, of a running, has. the value of picking a running back that high. Yeah, and um, I think we've learned time after time. I mean. You know, you look at Zeke, he's worked out pretty well, but he also had that insane offensive line for the majority of, you know, the beginning of his career. Um, I, I just don't see it, you know, worth it to take a running back that high. But, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see what Saquon Barkley's like next year when he comes back from his ACL injury. But then you look at the receiving. Darius Slayton had a really good game, five receptions, 93 yards. Sterling Shepard, you know, comes he came right back into this lineup and was automatically one of Daniel Jones's favorite targets. You saw it against the Eagles. Um, was it, was it the Eagles that he came back his first game back? It might've been the Eagle game at, yeah. in Philly. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he came back and caught a bunch of passes in that game. Uh, Golden Tate two for 44, um, you know, doesn't do a lot of volume, but he, you know, hits a big play, obviously averages 22 yards per completion. Uh, Evan Ingram continues to be a disappointment two for 15. I don't, I don't, I think the plan was to not, I don't think the game plan was really focused around him. I mean, because he was coming off a pretty decent last week against, against Washington, I think they wanted to change that up a little bit, but at the same time, if you're Evan Ingram, you're like, what the heck? Like I, you know, I proved something a little bit last week by catching a touchdown and, you know, but he's still dropping balls like crazy. Like exactly. You gotta hold that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say. You know, if you're a big time playmaker in the NFL, you don't get game planned or schemed out of a game. Right. Like if, if Evan Ingram is the tight end or just like the pass catcher and the athlete that the Giants hope that, you know, they eventually find uh, after expectations of what he was, you don't scheme him out of a game plan. No. Like, again, that's disappointing because, 
you see it last week and the like when he's on the effect that he can have on a game, but then, you know, two for 15, uh, two catches for 15 yards in this game, you know, kind of continues the question mark of what is Evan Ingram and is he ever going to live up to his potential, which I think it's safe to say he's probably not going to at this point in his right. career. But he can be a formidable playmaker, but he's not going to be the the guy that hits expectations, you know, that Giants fans and the Giants had for him when they drafted him. Here's the, here's the thing that really just kind of irritated me because, you know, the Giants going into halftime, have the have the slim lead at this point, right? I believe uh, fourteen to eleven. Yeah, the fourteen to eleven lead at halftime, and Jason Garrett's make. I don't know if it's Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, collaborative decision. I don't know, but they were working the zone read thing really well. You know, using Daniel Jones's legs, like we said, and you know, being able to do that stuff. But they get away from the zone read in the second half. If it wasn't, it wasn't broken in the first half, so you don't have to fix it. Now, if the Eagles made some kind of adjustments, you know, to that, then fine, you do that. But right out of the gate, the Giants come out and they get out of the zone read, which was working in the first half. Uh, you know, I have to, I have to question that play calling decision. I know they won the game; it'd be a lot easier to question and criticize if they lost this game. But the run game with Gaultman and, and Alfred Morris, they were working effectively, along with keeping Daniel Jones accountable, and you know, was forcing the Eagles' defense to really hold him that way. You know. When the run game is going, the Giants win football games. I said that before, and it shows. So I think the Giants should have just keep riding that until it just didn't work, and the Eagles had no answer for it all day long. I mean, I don't know why you go away from that. When I mean, we saw that you you mentioned the touchdown that was negated off the Andrew Thomas penalty. They're going they're going back to that, but again, that was maybe one time in the second half where they actually executed that. So they need that. I think they just need to just keep going with the flow. You don't need to change things up. You're you're leading at halftime, and the Eagles show that they cannot, they couldn't stop Daniel Jones from running the football all day long. So you can't just you can't just stop going away from that. I don't know what you feel, but I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, maybe in the second half, you think that you know the Eagles made some sort of adjustment towards it, and um, you know, you go to a different part of the playbook to try and uh, answer to the Eagles' adjustments, but. You know, I think it's worth it to try it once or twice early in the second half to see if they did, in fact, make those adjustments. Um, and, you know, who knows if Andrew Thomas didn't hold, would they have, you know, made the play and stopped Daniel Jones from getting a touchdown? But clearly, you know, from the effect of the play. Oh, he got he got um, in the end zone. That was a surefire touchdown if, if Andrew Thomas doesn't hold. That, yeah, the game's so, blown wide open after that. Yeah. I, I think, you know... Jason Garrett's starting to figure out how this offense needs to tick and, you know, what makes this offense really, you know, effective. And, um, you know, as long as, you know, they keep winning and uh, they don't like overcoach, like you could say that this, you know, not going to the zone read or whatever could be kind of like overcoaching, you know, just, you know, do what works. But, um, hey, they won the football game. It's something to say that we can't say about the Jets. And, um, <laughs> right. The Giants, like you said in the beginning, are going to give us uh, valuable and important football heading into Thanksgiving, which is not something we've had in the city for a while. So um, it's a nice breath of fresh air. And, you know, let's just give credit to Joe Judge, a rookie head coach. You know, maybe this the, the record doesn't show how good this team is, but I saw somewhere on Twitter that um, I think an NFL scout or NFL executive said that they're the best three and seven team that they've ever seen. So yeah, that just, you know, is a compliment to Joe Judge. Uh, the way that, um, you know, we thought this Giants season would be. I mean, granted, we didn't think this NFC East would be this bad, and I guess maybe the Giants are kind of playing to their expectations of being, you know, uh, 
you know, you lose two games, you win one, that kind of thing. Mm. But the fact that, you know, they're taking advantage of the situation that they're in. You can't blame them for being in the race of a terrible NFC East and, you know, just take the opportunity and, you know, if things fall their way and they win the games that they need to, um, you know, who knows what could happen just because the Eagles have a gauntlet of a schedule at the end. Um, and you never know, maybe Andy Dalton comes back at that at the end of the year. Um, and maybe he beats the Eagles for the Cowboys. And then the Giants, you know, beat him on week 17 to make the playoffs or something like that and win the division at six and 10. Just mm. <laughs> ridiculous. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Now, I'm, you know, I'm going to complain about this for probably the third straight week in a row. But finally, the announcers actually noticed what I've been hemming and hawing about all, you know, for the past three weeks. And you're probably going to say, you know, the audience is probably going to say, oh, Nick, stop complaining. Stop complaining. The Giants won the game. Let me complain about this because it still just doesn't make sense to me. Finally, that the the announcers finally noticed that the Giants are mixing and matching their offensive line combinations. They had a good first half with the, I believe it was Andrew Thomas. They had Lemieux in there, Gates, and Zeitler, and Cam Fleming. Okay? Working real good in the first half. And then they start switching guys in and out at right tackle. Here comes, here comes you know, my guy, Matt Purr, president of the fan club, obviously. Here he comes. He's playing well, of course, when he when he has limited action. But then they start switching guys in and out still, and they look weaker in moments. Shane Lemieux playing well at left guard, and then, he, you know, Kevin Zeitler ended up getting hurt in the game, so Will Hernandez had to come into the game. So, here, you know, here's the problem now that the Giants have. Shane Lemieux playing well at left guard keeps Will Hernandez on the bench pretty much if Zeitler's healthy. So Hernandez is now in at right guard with Kevin Zeitler out with a concussion. So... You know, what do you what do we do there? You know, we were talking about maybe a month, two months ago, the Giants possibly trading Zeitler before the deadline. So, you know, there's promise there in Shane Lemieux. Will Hernandez coming back off the COVID list? I mean, I just don't see that there's room to be doing this kind of thing. I understand you're shuffling your offensive line when you're totally out of it. But the Giants are in such a bad division you know, you're in a division race here. There's no room for kind of experimenting these kind of things. I just don't, I still don't understand it to this day. Of course, we talked about the Andrew Thomas big holding penalty that could have cost the Giants the game. You know, Daniel Jones, you know, the the touchdown run negated by the penalty. They had to settle for a field goal to go up 24-17. If the Eagles capitalize on that, it's a completely different ballgame. But I just don't, I continue to not understand the, like, you're in the middle of a division race here. You're tied for first place in the division. You have no room to be mixing and matching with your offensive line. Still don't get it. I'm going to hem and haw about it until the Giants just figure it out and stop doing this. Because it annoys me. It really does. I don't know why it does. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, like you said, we've talked about it on the show for a couple weeks now. It just doesn't make sense to mix and match an offensive line as much as they do. And, um, you know, maybe that's because Andrew Thomas hasn't quite lived up to expectations so far. He's been better. Um he has gotten better. He's gotten much better since um, I think it was the Eagle game too that he really struggled on Thursday night football. Um, but yeah, I completely disagree with what they're doing with the offensive line. If you're going to let the kid, you know, you, you got to teach the kid how to play, and that's by you know putting him in the game and not continuously taking him out. So um, I completely agree with you know your points, and I'm glad that the broadcast did pick it up because it literally makes no sense. So now we got to give love to the defense, obviously, because I think, again, for probably the fourth or fifth straight week, the reason the Giants, you know, well, for the second week in a row, the Giants have won two straights because this defense continues 
to be the catalyst for this football team. The big thing I saw was that they made Carson Wentz so uncomfortable, it was almost uncomfortable watching him because forced him out of the pocket with the constant D-line pressure. The, you know, um, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams, everyone's playing well on that defensive line. That's probably the strength right now, this Giants defense. Made some throws, but most of them were inaccurate. He had to go out to the pocket, and Carson Wentz is inaccurate to begin with. But when you shut, when you get him outside of the pocket, he's as inaccurate as anybody. But they got to him three times. Eagles went 0 for 9 on third down. Giants defense did more than their share in this game against the Eagles. And then, you know, the, the run defense was probably the real chip in the armor there. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, especially in the second half, were an open field for most of the game, 140-plus total yards combined. And then, you know, Boston Scott, who for some reason kills the New York Giants. He's got seven career touchdowns. Six of them are against the Giants or something like that. It's ridiculous. He had the big 56-yard touchdown run to start the second half. And that's when you start Giants fans are like, oh, boy, here we go again. We're going to lose to the Eagles one more time. But then, you know, the Giants were able to prevail. And this defense did more of their share. I am continued to be impressed because, you know, again, Beginning of the season, preseason, we were like, this defense is probably one of the worst in the NFL, and they have shoved it right back in our face. So that's just the way the cookie crumbles in the NFL, unfortunately. And and one more thing. James Bradbury, if he doesn't get a single vote for Defensive Player of the Year, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because, uh, first of all, he should be the team MVP. I'm going to say it right now. Big fourth down PBU with four minutes left on the fourth down convert on the fourth down try by the Eagles. Probably the defensive play of the game at that point. Eagles never Eagles challenged him for some reason, and he just shut them down. Which why would you go after? And I'm I, I truly believe this. He is probably well. He's definitely a top three corner right now. He's probably the best corner in the league. And, and I don't think it's really even close at this point. I understand you got your Jalen Ramseys, you got this, that, and the other thing, but James Bradbury is playing as good as anybody right now. He balled out all day on Sunday. Definitely the definition of a shutdown corner. And he's a focal point. Like, we wanted the Jets to sign them. Giants got a real steal in that. It's amazing. But your thoughts on, the, like, the defense. If the defense isn't playing this well, the Giants are still winless, I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And we've talked about the significance of the Blake Martinez signing, I think, week in and week out at this point. And, you know, just putting the Jets into this, too. I think Joe Douglas regrets not going harder for James Bradbury because, Clearly, you know, the carousel of corners that are coming through the Jets right now. Uh, James Bradbury would have been a nice uh, a nice piece to build around. But I, I completely agree. I mean, this guy has been, a, you know, everything you want and need in a shutdown corner. Um, I, I think you can also, you know, look, look at Travis Fulgham and the lack of production that he gave the Eagles on Sunday and put that on James Bradbury. Um, yeah, credit to Dave Gettleman. I mean, you know, people before the season and even, you know, during the season were like, oh, is Dave Gettleman going to be fired if this team goes three and 13 or whatever? Um, I think, you know, with some of, especially with the signings that he's made um, in the offseason, I think he's, you know, bought his way to at least another year as the Giants general manager. Um, I think that takes them out of a quarterback, you know, hunt of, um, of the draft. I mean, with the way they're going right now, they I don't think would be in position to, you know, draft one of the big guys. I mean, maybe they could take like a Trask or a Zach Wilson from BYU mm. or Trey Lance from North Dakota State. But I, I truly see that, you know, the Giants will stick with Dave Gettleman if they keep, you know, continuing. If Unless they go winless for the rest of the year, 
which the way Joe Judge has this team, you know, preparing, I don't see that and playing. I don't see that happening. Um, you know, Patrick Graham, credit to him for getting this defense prepared every single week because, like you said, they've been the backbone of this team. Um, the fact that you know they were even in that Buccaneer game was up to the defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they t- they made t- they made Tom Brady, you know, look average. And you can even argue you know, below think, average. Tom Brady was missing a hell of a lot of throws that uh, that week. Yeah, Easy and I think they kind of they kind of gave the recipe to the entire rest of the league of how to you know stop them. Mm. Um, you know, credit to Patrick Graham. I mean, I think you know a lot of people talked about Jason Garrett coming into the season just because you know former head coach, former Cowboy head coach, um, you know had success in the regular season there in Dallas. Never really got over the hump in the playoffs, but. This was a high-profile guy coming in to be your offensive coordinator. Nobody really talked about Patrick Graham very much, but you know he deserves to be talked about because he has this defense playing at a very high level. Um, I think you know a guy we never talk about very much. I don't think anyone really talks about is Dalvin Tomlinson, right? The their defensive tackle. He is very underrated and a very very large man. You could (laughs) argue that he's like a top five, top seven defensive tackle in football. Sure he, he makes a he he makes a huge influence on the defensive line. I think that's a reason why Leonard is starting to show, you know, something that uh, you know, he never really showed with the Jets. I mean, granted, they had, you know, Snacks Harrison. The Jets did for a while, and that's when Muhammad Wilkerson had his great uh, mm-hmm. years. I think takes a lot of pres- star- takes a lot of pressure off of da- of guys like Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard. Yeah, so you know, I think they're you know kind of complementing each other. They're you know teams don't know which one to double team. Leonard Williams could have a, a you know, double-digit sack season this sure. season, this year. I'd hate to see that, but, I mean, for the Giants' sake, that yeah, that really work out in their favor with, with that deal that they made. You know, so uh, I think, you know, we have to give props to Dalvin Tomlinson because I, th- I think the broadcast even said it, you know. Uh, whoever the color commentator was, was it Jonathan Vilma? Was uh, he the, yes. I think, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think uh, he said it on Sunday that, you know, he brought up the point about Dalvin Tomlinson and how underrated he is and, you know, how much of an impact he makes on that defensive line. So, you know, for a three and seven team, who would have thought would be praising them as much as, you know, we are, but you know, they're, they're the, they're the only football team to talk about in town. Well, you're, yeah, you're right. So we also got to um, give, we also got to give a little love to Jabril Peppers, Michigan guy, local New Jersey guy, of course, playing well in the defensive end, but the return game is where he made his magic uh, last game. He had 47 total yards and punt returns and had a long 20-yard run. I, I'm, i you know me, you know my feelings on Jabril Peppers. Love the guy, always have. And Michigan could use him right now. Ugh, Michigan can use me right now. That's their coach. <laughs> Losers. But, yeah, I mean. Michigan the, under center and start slinging it. Ugh, unbelievable. Joe Milton, Joe Milton, not the answer. And Caden, Cade McNamara, the answer. Aid for Heisman. But uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> I think this game, the Giants just wanted it more. They know, I think they came in, they knew they were the better team. And uh, I'm going to say it right here, and you would probably agree to this. Giants played like the best team in the NFC East, and they are the best team in the NFC East. Cowboys are, you know, they got talent on their roster, but they're playing third, fourth string quarterbacks. Washington, again, another team with young talent, but many, a couple years away from actually winning and contending. And the Eagles are on that precipice of champ of you know potential contender and potential rebuilder somewhere in the middle there, if you would agree to that. So I think the Giants right now have the most balance, and I think they're the best team in the NFC East, and it's their division to take. But you know we we mentioned too, 
you know, a lot of positives to build on this win, obviously, but now going into the bye week, they got the Bengals next. Very winnable game, like you said. But if the Giants win three straight, coming off the bye week, you know, they're going to be well-rested and whatnot. They can't come out flat against the Bengals. They just cannot. Mm-mm. Three straight wins. Giants have the opportunity to take this division by the nuts. Like... And, I, I, we, and that's something we want to see. We want to talk about competitive good football on here for the first time this whole year. So, I mean, we got to do that. Giants have to do this. We're, we're hanging on to the New York Giants right now to save us content-wise. Because Well, I mean, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about, obviously, but we need good football in this town, damn it. Listen, you know, we went over the schedules for each team before. The Eagles have, you know, a gauntlet of a schedule. They play, you know, some very top teams in the for like five straight weeks, and then you know eventually come up with those NFC opponents of Dallas and Washington. Um, if they lose five or six straight, they're at what? What I say three and a, three eleven three, and eleven one. and one. So, you know, the Giants, nice. if they you know beat the teams they should with Cincinnati and Dallas, and then you know sneak a win against like a, a Cleveland, mm. um, you know six and ten. Honestly, looks pretty likely to win this division, which sure. is unbelievable. All right, we got a we got a couple Jets headlines. What do you got there, pal? Um, yeah. So the Jets today cut Pierre to see Good. The Bye. Tank King is gone after he ran away from Jacoby Myers the other night to give him a forty-yard gain on a five-yard curl route. So uh, goodbye, the Tank King. Good Hopefully, sir. the tanking continues. Um. The Brian Poole was put on IR. I didn't really know he was dealing with injuries, but um, so it looks like their starting corners could be Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, Arthur, or not just the starting corners, but the corners that they have right now. Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, Javelin Gidry, which is an unbelievable name, (laughs) uh, Arthur Mollette, and I think that's it. They have five corners who, you know, the most seasoned corner of those is Bless Austin. So uh, Justin Herbert, if you have him on your fantasy team this coming week, look out. He could he could put up some serious points, and uh, I will reap the benefits of that. Good. Throw it to Keenan as, Allen all day as long. As you should. Uh, yes. Yes. So uh, Justin Herbert, do not let me down. This defense, uh, I think, is going to be Swiss cheese this week against, um, against the Chargers. Um, Sam is not going to play again. Uh, which is unfortunate because I think Sam is honestly the worst quarterback of the two. I'm kind of scared that Joe Flacco will might actually uh, lead us to a win in these couple games. Um, uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Sam's, uh, Sam, uh, Sam's confidence is a shot, man. I heard his press conference. He's just – he's shot, man. I almost said he sucks, but he kind of does suck. He's, he's very bad. I'm still on the train of he sucks because of the people around him. I think he's he's, he's got the healthy. He, he's got the all oh, that too. I mean, he's got the he's got the talent though. We've seen it, but it's just it's got to be somewhere else though. Listen, yeah, this mean. second sh- shoulder surgery or injury was completely um, avoidable, considering he decided not to slide and got sandwiched by two Kansas City Chiefs. So, well, uh, I th- I think to counteract that a little bit, I think the Jets decided to play him a little prematurely before he was fully ready to go. Yeah, but they also said that this. We is know a, how the Jets handle injury. injuries, and it's not good. Well, yeah. This is an injury that, um, you know, wouldn't get worse. It would only just be, you know, he had to, um, you know, manage the pain. And I think he started his recovery and it just, you know, had a little bit of a setback, which unfortunately happens a lot. But um, Mekhi Becton will play this week. So uh, the brick wall will play. 
Uh, the Jets picked up uh, Corey Ballantyne over the bye week. Okay. Uh, second year cool. corner. Oh, I can throw him into the corner pool too. Yeah. He's in there. I don't know if he'll play this week, but um, I don't know. Do we have any expectations for Corey, Corey Ballantyne? I don't have any expectations for anybody. Besides <laughs> the young guys, obviously. Mims, Beckton, maybe Ashton Davis. Who knows? P. Ryan. P. Ryan. I mean, that's the guys we want to um, see. We want to see those guys play. Yeah, and all but the corners too. Like we're gonna see the future of our cornerback position potentially with Bryce Hall, who, Jeez. you know, is a very high potential pick at the, in the fifth round. I mean, if he wasn't hurt, he probably would have went in like the second. Um, and then Lamar Jackson hasn't looked terrible in some games, and then you know has looked kind of out of place in others. But he's an undrafted rookie. Yeah. What do you kind of expect? Uh, I don't think we've seen Javelin Gidry play at all. No. Then obviously we kind of know what Bless Austin is. He'll, he'll have his good games and he'll have his bad games. He's not a no, I don't think he's a number one corner. I don't either. Can't think. Um, and then uh, they also picked up Pat Elfline from the Vikings who can uh, replace Pat, um, Greg Van Rotten. Listen, I mean, you you want that more than anybody. So <laughs> Greg Van, Greg Van Rotten is yeah. freaking horrible. He is Horrible. horrible. You know, Horrible. You know what? I'm kind of glad that we didn't have to talk extensively on the Jets. I'm glad we didn't have to freaking watch them. My heart feels a little good. My heart feels a little. I kind of wish we could have lost the bye week. Well, yeah, I do too. What a count! But this game, this uh, this week, you know, Adam Gay survived the bye week, which shows that he will be the coach for the rest of the season. And then uh, Did we really we expect anything Johnson. less. Did we really expect anything? I mean, I think they're really trying to tank. So, uh, I mean, what was really the point? Of keeping him or uh, of firing him, I don't know. But uh, disaster, yeah. disaster. I have no words for the for Adam Gates as a head coach. No, no words. No, With no words for but, you the know. Franchise. Ian Manning endorsed him. No words for this Court franchise. Quarterback whisperer. Oh, great, fantastic. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Brilliant, brilliant. Guru, uh, guru. All right, that does it for football. When we come back, a lot of juicy rumors to talk about. Yankees, Mets. Nets, Knicks, basketball, hot take season's coming. Oh, it's already NBA here. NBA draft tomorrow night. Yeah, whoopee, who cares? Because the Knicks are going to draft two The losers. NBA draft, the NBA draft is like, apart from baseball where you don't see these guys for a long time, and I, I guess hockey just because it's not a very major sport, but the NBA draft is just so irrelevant. Crap like, shoot. Especially this one. Like, like yeah, you have Zion coming out. Okay, it's a big deal. This this NBA draft is so freaking oh. irrelevant. It's unbelievable. Well, listen, but you know damn well this is going to be one like, the least hyped NBA draft is going to be the most stars coming out of this draft in like five years from now. <laughs> Lamella. Imagine. Ugh. My hopes and dreams are gone for that. It's just it's not yeah, Remember happen. when he thought he was going to fall to the Knicks at eight? He might go number one. Well, to, you know. To save myself there, that was before the, the that was before the lottery, and I was that like was the true. Knicks are getting top three pick. There's you know, why would I ever think that ever? All right, so we come back. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk baseball, Yankees possible trade maybe coming. I don't know. We'll see. And a lot of people, a lot of a lot of drama surrounding the New York Mets and the top free agents, maybe a top executive that I think the Mets should really go after. We'll talk about that when we come back. Listen to Drys Day Sports Beat. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Pal, I found an interesting story for it. Well, it's not interesting. It's actually kind of funny, actually. Um, found this on the New York Post the other day that an MSNBC journalist dropped an F bomb midair on TV. Got to listen. Too bad they're not on the podcast because that's allowed. You got uh, you got to listen to this. Got to listen to this. All right, listen to this. Uh, Ken, what have you learned, sir? Okay.
like okay it's the best part he goes okay like okay <laughs> like what oh dear does somebody not tell that guy that he's like live like yeah, okay you're mic on is hot like that yeah exactly <laughs> we've had a big problem with hot mics especially especially in the sports this year but like yeah. Someone's getting fired there. Somebody's not doing their job and telling that guy you're on. Like he was like, oh, and start cursing for no. I'm like, did he did he shit himself? Like was he just not prepared? Like what did he have an incident? Like why would you just look up at the camera and say obscenities like that? And you're li- like you're Gio live on TV. Day, but he but he fully knowing fully oh, uh, meant to do it. <laughs> that was fantastic. Too bad that's not available on like. Radio that's not available on like Apple Podcasts or nothing. That's hilarious. That's good stuff. I mean, that's probably in their podcast, but uh, you it's have not. To I, to I tried to listen thing. to it. It's not. Oh really? How oh, yeah. they took it out? Yeah. Oh. Or they bleep? Or Nuts. they? Or when um, when they have the the drop, it's bleeped out, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. Like I saw that live on CBS Sports Network, and I was like, he just said dick. He said dick <laughs> on on the air. It's been like three times. Didn't don't he? know if that's allowed, but <laughs> I don't. That's definitely. Yeah, I, I don't know if the FCC allows that. No, definitely not. But ugh. that might be a fine coming Mark Chernoff's way. Oh, definitely multiple at that point. I think it goes for how many times he said he said he at least said it three, four times at least. That's funny. All right, so let's discuss the New York Mets and wow, hot stove season definitely here, pal. Because you know, let's start with the little news. Of course, Marcus Stroman accepts the nineteen million dollar qualifying offer from the New York Mets. The Stevie Cohen era is officially underway. First player to sign under the Stevie Cohen era. Uh, listen, Strowman's not a world beater. We know this. We've you know we've seen him the last year and a half, I guess. The Mets, at the end of the day, they just need rotation depth at this point. Makes sense to bring him back. One year deal, no big deal. Um, they could they could have used him last year. Obviously, Porcello and Walker were just freaking disasters. You know they're not going to be back. So, and also, Marcus Strowman for himself and his free agency, you know, status. Didn't have a lot of takers. You know, him, so we saw him jawn with the Yankees stuff and jawn with Tony LaRusso and the White Sox. So his reputation wasn't really getting too well. So I think it was kind of a Mets or bust at this point. But at the end of the day, Marcus Stroman's a good, you know, middle reliever. I'm sorry, middle rotation guy. You know, you got Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, the hopes of signing Trevor Bauer. And again, the fifth guy like Peterson or a guy you want to sign in free agency this year. But, I mean, Strowman's numbers last year, you know, in 11 ga- in 2019, it was 11 games, 3.77 ERA, 4-2. and two. You know, it's not bad, but, again, it's not top-of-the-rotation type stuff, obviously. But, again, Mets need depth. They're going to build with younger guys, and Strowman kind of fits that category. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think that um, it was kind of surprising that they did extend that qualifying offer to Strowman just because – I don't think his value was $18.9 million. I, no. I mean, I think it was pretty clear that, you know, it was a strong chance that he was going to sign that qualifying offer um, just because that's probably more than what he would have gotten, you know, annually in a, in a deal. So he's kind of betting on himself. Um, I think he's getting a pretty good deal for himself with the Mets with the qualifying offer. I think he's only like the 13th or 14th player all time to accept the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Not many players do just because most of the time, you know, obviously, you know, players that are worth more than that get offered the, the QO. So, right. um, yeah, it makes, sense. I, it makes I, sense for them to do so. Yeah. Especially, you know, they got truckloads of money coming in. You might as well. Um, and Sandy Alderson also talked about how thin their rotation is. So, 
Uh, you but I really thought they were the deepest rotation in baseball, pal. Oh, I yeah, thought well, they were the that, deepest. that clown is gone. <laughs> um, but you know, you don't really know what you're going to get from Syndergaard uh, coming back. I mean, you expect him to be, you know, kind of be the the pitcher of old. I mean, people nowadays recover from Tommy John pretty well. Uh, obviously, you have Degrom at the top, who's the best pitcher in baseball, arguably. Um, I, don't, and, I don't. I don't really know if it's arguable right now. Honestly, I mean, you got Bauer, you got um, Shane Bieber, obviously, but I think there's just something about Jake. I, maybe we're biased because we cover the Mets, we watch him all the time, but I just I don't think it's really debatable that Jake's the best in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. He's definitely top two. Mm. Um, put whatever ones you want up there. If it's mm. Cole or Bauer, or I mean, Bauer, you know, yeah, he's great. Bauer had one and, good year. Yeah, he's had one good year. He had a six ERA the year before, yeah. and you know, like he he was dealing with a lot of injuries. I think after his first start, he like tore a ligament in his ankle or something like that, and yep. pitched through it, and that's why he had like such a high ERA uh, two years ago. Um, but he's had one good year. I mean, he was fantastic this year. Don't like don't get me wrong, but you know, I don't think you can put him as the best pitcher in the league right now just because he hasn't shown it consistently. I mean, Jake has won he went back to back Cy Young's and finished what second or third in this year. So um, yeah, he's a top two pitcher in the league. I mean, Steven Matz is gone, not oh, gone, but goodbye. you know, you can't rely on him. He's goodbye. freaking tragic. Oh. Um, yeah. Like right now you have, and then the uh, debate of putting Lugo in the rotation or the bullpen is, you know, ever you present again. The bullpen. There's just, I mean, he's their best so. bullpen. Oh yeah. He's their best bullpen arm. But he's I mean, all, I, he was, we'll I mean, he was really good. I mean, he was pretty good at the end of the season when he made his starts. But the Mets, uh, I think the Mets have the opportunity this free agency period to really get caliber starting pitching. And that brings me to my next point, that the Mets are interested in guys like Morton, Jake Odorizzi, Corey Kluber kind of deal. I think you get one of these guys in here, maybe along with a Bauer. If you don't get Bauer, maybe you get two of these guys on the cheaper deals. But I think out of those three... I think the Mets would want to go the Jake Odorizzi route. You know, 30 years old, you can get more out of him. Throw, you know, I throw out 2020. He made four starts, 6.59 ERA. You could say that for a lot of guys. Throw throw out 2020. It was just freaking terrible, except for Gary Sanchez. We don't tolerate that, Gary. We'll talk about Gary later. But, you know, a career 3.92 ERA, a 2019 All-Star, like, I'll take that every day. I'll take that all freaking day if I'm the Mets, who need, who desperately need rotation help. And I'm not knocking, like, Kluber or Morton. But the thing is with them, you get one or two maybe good years out of them. Morton's 37. Kluber's 34. Good talents. Don't get me wrong. But Stevie Cohen's message, one of his messages to the fans are, you want to build sustained success. But you got to do so with guys that are entering or in their prime. That's my definition of it. I At least I believe. But... You you got a guy in Jake Odorisi who's gonna be thirty going on his third who's thirty going on his thirty one year season. I just think it makes sense. You know, all the numbers are good. Twenty nineteen All Star. You know, like I said before, three point nine two career ERA. He's good. He's a he's a very good pitcher, and I think he's kind of underrated in this in this free agency market right now because Morton had such a very good end of the season to postseason because Cor because Corey Kluber because of the name I think mostly, but I don't know. I think more. I think out of those three, I think Odorizzi is it. Yeah, I I could see either the Mets or the Yankees taking a flyer on you know a Kluber or a, a Morton. Uh, I mean the flyers really on Kluber just because 
you know, didn't really have a great year. Or did he even play in Texas this year? He had was one he start. He had one start. I think he was hurt. I think he was hurt after that. Um, so that would be a flyer. I, I could see the Yankees and the Mets going after Morton and Kluber and Odorizzi. Um, the big thing is Bauer, and I think only the Mets are involved in that. And Bauer actually released a YouTube video the other day talking about Stevie Cohen and how he likes what he's doing with the fans as the owner of the Mets. So, yeah, listen, Trevor Bauer's the ultimate troll out there. You're not going to know where he's signing until he actually signs the dotted line. Right. So, you know, he's going to put hats on a bunch of different teams. He's going to tease that this team needs a starting pitcher and that team needs a starting pitcher. And, oh, I could really see myself in this city and I don't have beef with Garrett Cole. He's going to keep doing it. So, you know, this sweepstakes isn't going to be over until – who even knows? Might be January, might be spring training. Who the frig knows Could when these be. free agents are going to be signed? Uh-huh. Like, Garrett Cole signing in December last year was like an anomaly. Most of these guys, I mean, you look at Harper and Machado, they signed in freaking spring training. Yeah. Like, Bauer could be a free agent until f- March or April. Like, I can't, I'm telling you right now from a personal perspective, and you probably agree, I can't wait that long for DJ LeMahieu to sign. Can't do that. No, my heart no, won't no, take no, no, that. no, no, no. My heart won't take that. No, me neither. But, uh, go ahead. You know, what you're saying. Uh, someone said, or maybe I read an article or something about DJ LeMahieu and the Yankees when Derek Jeter was a free agent, I, I don't know what year it was. They said, oh, go shop around, see what you can get, and then come back to us with the offers that you receive and you know we'll assess from there. The the writer said that the Yankees, could, you could see the Yankees doing that same thing. Go shop yourself around, see what you can get on the open market, then come back to us and we'll make you an offer or we'll see, you know, maybe we'll walk away or something like that. I could see the Yankees doing that. And um, there's a thing going around today. It was um, uh, Brian Cashman when he said, I am not going to trade Glaber Torres. I actually have to walk around in New York. Mm. Uh, the tweet was like, I wonder if he has the same mentality for re-signing DJ LeMahieu. So um, you better freaking re-sign DJ. That's the bottom Masa. line. That's the bottom Masa line. back to. That's the bottom line. DJ is number one. But you know, circling back to the Mets, obviously, um, when I read this yesterday from the New York Post that the Mets are experiencing or you know gaining interest in Marcelo Zuna, I was like, that just has to happen. Now, I think it has to happen only if they don't acquire George Springer or if Springer goes elsewhere. If that happens, I love this move, the New York Mets. Two-time All-Star, Gold Glover in 17, Silver Slugger in 17 and 20, you know, Coming off, and again, coming off a career year where he played all 60 games, too. 338, 56 RBIs, 18 home runs. And what we mentioned before, you know, when the Mets ended the season, and probably throughout the season we mentioned this, that the Mets need defense. Now, Marcelo Zuna isn't the ideal, you know, great defensive, you know, outfielder that the Mets need, but he's got a good glove in left field. The guy won a freaking gold glove. You put him in left field or right field, wherever, he can play both positions. Ozuna, Ozuna, Nimmo, Conforto, left to right. And the beautiful part is that the DH is here to stay in the National League, and he can and will play the DH role. And so so I think having Ozuna here will give the Mets so much more flexibility. You know, you could play Dom at left field when need be. You could play Pete at first base when need be. It just makes so much sense. Like... Obviously, you want Springer. Springer's the big name. Springer's a better player, defensively, offensively, what have you. I totally get that. But Marcelo Zuna is a very nice backup plan if you're the Mets. And, you know, 
He's the big bear. You can have the big bear and the polar bear. The big bear is his nickname. You can have two bears on the Mets. What what else could you want? I, I think it's a great... I think the Mets really need to consider this. Yeah. I mean, I think the Mets are going to be in for any free agent out there just because of the glorious uh, full pockets of Stevie Cohen. Have to be. And then this today. I freaked out when I saw this. Freaked out. That Theo Epstein has stepped down as the president of the Cubs. Yeah, don't get too don't I get know. don't get too excited I about know. this. I know. Let let me roll with this, please. Reported, you know, it's already been reported he's going to take the year off. Blah blah blah. But if I'm Stevie Cohen, if I'm Stevie Cohen. Back up the truck for Theo Epstein. Like the Yankees back up the truck for J uh, for DJ Lemayhu. I back up the truck for Theo Epstein. Now, I don't know how you feel, but you know, I, I want to know, but. Money talks, pal. Money does talk. Get him to reconsider taking that year off. You know, I agree. I think, you know, that would be a slam dunk hire. Oh. And it would be the complete definition of what Stevie Cohen wants and Absolutely. the fact that he doesn't want people to learn on his dime. Absolutely. Like, he is a decorated, you know... Uh, Theo very, Epstein is a winner. He knows what to do already. It's beautiful. Yeah, like, he broke the, broke the uh, Cubs streak. I'm pretty sure... He was part of the Austin Red Sox streak, breaking yep. their streak. Like, you know, this guy's a slam dunk, but, you know, all indications are pointing to that, you know, he really doesn't want to take a job right away. He wants to have a summer off and, you know, maybe come back in 2021 mm-hmm. or 2022. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't get too excited about this. I mean, yeah, it's a cool thing to think about. And I said it before to, um, you know, when I first saw that, I was like, the Mets are going to hire Theo Epstein. I'm going to call it now or something like that. And uh, um, that was before the whole uh, report came out that he wanted to take a year off. But you know, like you said, money talks. Stevie Cohen could uh, back the Brinks truck up to Theo Epstein and say, you know, here, take whatever you want. Can be the, the general manager of the president of baseball operations for the Mets. And you know, that'd be a pretty, you know, pretty big deal. That's Him a, and Sandy like that, Alderson. Like a, be, Stevie Cohen wanted to. He, you said he said his vision was to surround himself with like the smartest baseball people. You know, you got Sandy, who's been thirty years in the game, and you got Theo Epstein being your president of baseball operations. Then you need a general manager. I don't even if you hire Theo Epstein, I don't even think you need a general manager. Let Theo run the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have that guy and Sandy, Stevie Cohen, off to a fantastic start. But of course, it's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical because. You know, do I really think Theo Epstein's going to take the year off? I do. But Stevie Cohen, richest owner in baseball, 14 beautiful billion dollars. Money talks. That's all I'm going to leave the possibility out there, obviously. You have to. Because you never know. And there was also talks about him, you know, resigning from the Cubs because he was wanting to take the, the Phillies or the Mets job. That's obviously not, you know, the case right now. Wants to take the year off. But if you're the Mets, and if I'm Stevie Cohen... I wish I was Stevie Cohen because I would have $14 billion in a baseball team with, you know, the, you hire a Theo Epstein and you make some real solid moves in free agency. I think the Mets are a division winner. I'll say it right now. If, even without Theo Epstein, I think if the Mets get a Bauer, another one of these guys with the, you know, Odorisi and Kluber and, and one of these guys and maybe Ozuna or Springer, I think this team's a division winner on paper, of course, on paper. That only gets you so far, but I think Theo Epstein would be a home run. Home run. I completely agree. You know, you have to try and lure him into uh, not taking a year off. But, you know, like we said, 
or like I said, don't get too excited. It looks like he's going to take a year off. And then, you know, you never know what could happen in 2022 when he, you know, gets his hunger for coming back into baseball. Sure. Back, so that could come sooner than a year too. You never know. Once yeah, guys are, right. once guys are away, they're like, Oh, maybe I need to, maybe I need to reevaluate. Maybe so I don't come back. The Mets should be at Theo Epstein's front door. Hey, you know what? We'll help you move out of Chicago. We'll bring you to Queens. Come on now. Come to uncle Stevie. Come to uncle Stevie. All right. Let's transition a little bit to the Yankees. Just one little thing. Could be a big thing, but one little thing. Yankees are finally doing what they should have been doing probably all last year, even though they couldn't get anything for them. They're finally entertaining a trade of Gary Sanchez. And they should, for that matter. Me personally, had it with Gary Sanchez. Had it. I think the defensive issues cannot be fixed at this point in his career. They could be adjusted. They could be tweaked with, of course. But I just don't think Gary Sanchez is a good defensive catcher. I really don't. Historically bad 2020, just, pfft, I'm done with it. I think the, Yan- I, the Yankees aren't going to do this because there are, you know, I don't have any expectations in free agency as far as the Yankees go. Got to go after James McCann. They're not getting JT Real Muto. Go after James McCann. Good, good second option there. Or, or, I'm kind of okay with the fact that Kyle Higashioka might be the starting catcher next year. Kind of okay with that. I can live with that. Then I heard this. I want no part of this. You cannot give me Yadier Molina. Don't do that to me. You, you know why? No. You know why? That's a one to two year band aid fix. Yankees getting Yadier Molina is all right. We're gonna you know we're gonna sign you. He's all, he's not gonna play every day, so you're gonna see a lot of Higashioka anyway, right? Like the guy's old. You know he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. St. Louis Cardinals, you know, synonymous with Yadier Molina, obviously. But it would just be weird to look at him in pinstripes, but it's a one- to two-year Band-Aid fix. The Yankees aren't fixing anything long-term with Yadier Molina. I love the guy. Got a ton of respect for him. I don't know how you feel. Um, do you want Yadier Molina here? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Kind of indifferent. I think, uh, I think I'm kind of done with Gary. I would kind of like to see him get traded. But, again, I think you can only trade him if you get, like, a Real Muto. Uh, is Yadier Molina really a, a trustworthy catcher at his age, you know, coming into, a, what, a two-year deal I think he wants or something like yeah. that? I don't know. Kind of indifferent. Um, it it kind of screams a Brian McCann kind of signing for me from a couple of years ago. You know, yeah, you come he's in. He's 38 years old, man. Yeah, yeah, it screams a Brian McCann signing for me. You know, a, a guy who was a very good catcher in his career, you know, on the on the downslope. You know, I can see him, you know, being a backup, but then what do you do with Higgy? I mean, I, Higashioka put in some very valuable at-bats last year. Do you really want to throw him back into AAA and, you know, just kind of let him sit there for two years while you have a 30, 39-year-old Yadier Molina, no. you know, sitting behind Gary? Maybe it could help Gary. You know, obviously we're talking about one of the best catchers of all time here in Yadier Molina. Maybe Gary could learn a thing or two with having a guy like that behind him. Um, I just I think Gary's kind of at a point where, you know, he's had his time, man. Like he like he's had time to fix his defensive woes. He just can't do it for some reason. I mean, it's not even just the defense at this point. It's the fact that he struck out about sixty times and one hundred and fifty something at bats. Yeah, and let's not and let's not forget too that. This isn't like, yeah, this was Gary's worst year hitting 147. But let's not forget in 2018, he hit 186 too. Like, this is starting yeah. to become kind of a trend, okay? In between there, he hit 232 in 2019 and, and then hit for, and 
how many home runs did he hit? I don't even remember. But I think it was 38 home runs or something like that in 2019. But, like, Gary's kind of on the downslope right now. Like, ever since 2016, he hit 299, 278 in 2017. But after, you know, all that, we've, you know, in recent years, we have been like, all right, you know, Gary's not a good defensive catcher, but his bat's electric. When his bat's not electric, Gary's got nothing. Like, that's kind of where we're at right now with Gary Sanchez. I mean, I don't know. I don't want the quick fix, but at the same time, I don't want Gary to be here anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. That's why I'm kind of, that's why I'm saying I'm okay with having Higashioka here, being the starting catcher, for at least a year, for at least. I mean, you kind of got to see, too, we kind of have to know if the end of the year what Higashioka was doing is kind of a fluke or not. Yankees kind of have to see if that's for real or not, if he can consistently hit and get on base. And, you know, we, we saw that he was a very good defensive catcher, miles from what Gary Sanchez is. But we got to see if he can contribute offensively at a consistent rate. That's why I'm okay with giving him the starting job next year, if all else fails, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of down on Gary right now. I, I mean, how could you be up on him? You can't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be optimistic that he'd turn it around, but I'm sure. not that either. It's I, just, I, uh... I think it's time. It's time to really consider moving on. You know, I think if you get a decent trade offer for him, like are you really trading? Are you trading really... him for prospects or you know? I try and throw him in a trade for a starting pitcher. Yeah. Like say, you know, I don't really think this would happen just based on the Yankees not willing to spend right now for some reason. If they got a Lindor and they re-signed DJ, I could see them throwing, you know, Luke and Gary and someone else for a starting pitcher. And, um, you know, that would be, you know, good on my end. I mean, I love Luke Voigt. I'm a huge Luke Voigt fan. And, a Luke Voigt shirt. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, and he was arguably the second-best offensive player the Yankees had last year. Um, but his value is never going to be higher. Like, you really think he's going to repeat – the kind of season he had this year as a home run king and, you know, hitting what, what he had, like 280 in the regular season. Like, he's probably not going to, you know, repeat that. I mean, it'd be fantastic if he did. But, you know, I, I think you can kind of, uh, you know, see a little bit of a downturn in production from Lou Voigt. You know, you'd also hope that the lineup was actually freaking healthy for a year. But, uh, you know, I, I could see Gary in a pitcher in a trade for starting pitcher. I don't think they were trading for prospects. Like, what's the point of that? The Yankees are in a win-now mode. Absolutely. I agree with that. All right. I think that's really it for baseball. A lot of a lot of stuff about the New York Mets right now. I think – I hope that the Mets can acquire some of these guys, but if they don't, big letdown. I think they will, but maybe it's not everybody that we think it's going to be. I don't know. I think they should stay away from Lindor, too. I mean, that's probably – because they got Andres Jimenez, too, who's got a lot of promise, and I really like him as a shortstop. But, I mean, Francisco Lindor's on the table. It's kind of hard to just shake your head no and be like, meh, we'll pass. But on the Yankees' end, uh, like I said, I really don't anticipate them spending a lot of money. So, I'm not real. I don't have high expectations for this free agency period. I really don't. I mean, I mean if you re-sign DJ LeMayhew, I'll be happy with that. I'll be thrilled with that, obviously. But, you know, re-signing Tanaka is kind of a big deal. I mean, if he goes... I get it, but I don't know. DJ LeMahieu's priority number one and two and three and ten through ten. We'll just say it. I don't know. All right. We'll break when we come back. Ooh, basketball season's here, pal. And, uh, I mean, both of our teams are kind of in the headlines right now. And exciting, nervous, kind of want to pee. 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, just all this, just all this talk, just makes me nervous and excited at the same time. Uh, I don't know. But we'll get to that when we come back. You're listening to Tri State Sports Beat. Don't go anywhere. Hot basketball takes coming your way, pal. We got some breaking news for you. Oh boy, breaking news from the New York Post. Bill Belichick hates coffee. <laughs> Really? That's the breaking yeah. news that you give me right now? <laughs> did I did I startle you? <laughs> I mean, not really. Uh, you know, I figured my phone would be blowing up if something big actually happened. But the you fact that you just came back. Go back to making your baby body wash, you moron. That's what you were. That's what you're saying to me in your head right now. <laughs> uh. Yes. I, I figure something big didn't happen considering my phone would be blowing up no, about it. Not at all. But not the fact all. that, you know, breaking news, I thought it was going to be something a little bit, you know, intriguing. <laughs> Tell me Bill Belichick doesn't like coffee. You know well, what? I'm with you, Bill. I don't like coffee either. Well, I know, but but I, but I like Bill Belichick. I mean, the greatest head coach of all time. Not even Does he look like he likes coffee? That dude's on like a two energy level the entire time. That's exactly why he needs it. But like that's the but like the but that's besides the point. That's the ultimate New England sin. Like I've been to Gillette Stadium before, unfortunately, and a Jets blowout loss. It was kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie. But like, unless you were at the 2010 playoff game or whatever year that was, you saw blowout losses all the time, right? Or unless Gino was playing quarterback, right? But you go into Gillette Stadium. There's a Dunkin' Donuts kiosk every freaking entrance. How's Bill Belichick hate coffee? Yeah. Save him some money, you know, not buying Starbucks or Dunkin'. Like Dunkin', like, especially Dunkin' Donuts, because that's a Patriots sponsor. Like, how do you feel? How how might the sponsors feel when they say, oh, Bill Belichick hates coffee? Maybe he likes hot chocolate. Dunkin' Donuts sells hot chocolate. He's not a big fan of tea either, I don't think. Maybe he likes a nice, you know, vanilla cream donut. I mean, who doesn't like a vanilla cream donut? Let's be real here. You're you're just on American if you don't like a vanilla cream donut. Or a nice chocolate frosted. But I think that's you know, a new. He can still like, support. He can still support the sponsor. He just doesn't have to drink coffee. I guess. You know, it says donuts in their name. It's not a coffee. Uh, it's not Dunkin' like, coffee. Like you know, like you know, in their in their um, when he does press conferences, that board, that electric board, that like with all the sponsors yeah. and stuff. Dunkin' Donuts is on there. They're probably after hearing yeah, that. He like he likes oof. the donuts. You oof. know, they're probably like oh, comes yeah. in with a dozen every day. Four four o'clock in the morning. Here's a dozen donuts. Well, I guess uh, I guess they're not going to sign Bill up for any Dunkin' Donuts ads because that's going to be just be faulty. I mean, unreal. He likes Subway, though. Isn't he in a Subway commercial? And his foot long. Weirdo. Yeah. Who would you Jeez. rather? Who would you rather? The pedophile from, you know, the... What was his name? Jared or Jeff? Jared. Jared. Would you rather Jared. Jeff or Bill Belichick be your spokesperson? Bill Belichick... Well, they actually got Bill Belichick to show some personality. Which so, is uh, astonishing. You see those... Ad, do you ever see those ads on Instagram where Bill is just kind of smiling and he's like, I like my foot long or something like that? <laughs> no, I don't think You've I've never ever seen, seen that. that? No. It's like Bill making his, you know, his weird, sadistic-looking like smile. It does. It says something like that. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are, what are we doing, Instagram? That's all. Like, <laughs> somebody's going to screenshot that and put that, like, somewhere. Well, I'm sure it's already happened. Oh, we just sure. haven't seen it yet. Sure. Absolutely. But Bill Belichick hates coffee. I, as I often, you know, I drink coffee every day. I'm not over the top because, you know, like Stu Finer, love Stu Finer and everything. The guy drinks seventeen cups of See, coffee a day. Is that actually true? I don't think so. I, I could see, I could be. see like six, five or six cups of coffee a day, but like seventeen. <laughs> Stop that. Get some help, Stu. Please. Starbucks French roast coffee. 
I mean, it's fantastic coffee. I got a, like a Starbucks cup right here. I went today. It's fantastic. Got a nice, uh, oh, nice. Got a nice caramel. You didn't get the reusable one. No, because you know what? That you know when Scott's girlfriend is an avid coffee drinker more than me. Um, she came. She came back home with a reusable Starbucks cup. I got all excited. I'm like, wow! Next time I go to Starbucks, I'm gonna get one of those. Turns out it was just that it's only one. On the first day. Yeah, go figure. It's only on the first day of the Christmas cups. I lose. I lose. I guess a, you're a uh, Starbucks novice. Yeah. I'm a loser because I didn't get the cup. Loser. 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 I don't know. Big fat Bill, loser. Bill Belichick hates coffee. Bill Belichick hates coffee. Good. He also hates the Jets. Well, I do too. But <laughs> <laughs> not not all year round. Just I mean, just when they're losers, which is all year round. Oh, all right. Well, so actually, no. I like them that they're losing right now. Yeah. I would just... hate them if they won. The weird thing is, like, I never thought I, you know, we'll get on, we'll get to the basketball in a second, but, like, the fact that we're losing, like, rooting for losses is just still weird to me. I just. Listen, I was more stressed watching the Patriots almost lose the game than I have been for a Jets win in years. That's true. I never thought watching a, a, uh, 0 9 team currently would give me as much stress as it did. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be in the next couple of weeks, too, because they got the Chargers oh. coming up. The Chargers blow games, like, I'm gonna make a really dirty joke, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> um I, I don't really know what you were going with uh, there, but uh, <laughs> I, mean, I could. It's a podcast, but I mean, let's keep it a let's keep it a little, a little clean here, I guess. But PG thirteen, you know, <laughs> yeah. the farthest we go is uh, like Dick Felt, Dick Felt, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Or the Kembe Mutombo and Palundo Macamba Jean Jacques Mutombo. <laughs> you said that was such a cadence. The Kembe Mutombo and Palundo Macamba Jean Jacques Mutombo. That's just fantastic. you need to, when it, you know, this is took all my lung capacity to say his freaking name. <laughs> yeah, you hear him exhale. <sighs> okay, you're a toast glide. All right, let's get the basketball, shall we, pal? Oh dear. Do you want to, you know, I'll get my Nick stuff out of the way. Uh, and, you know. well, hold on. Before you get to that. Oh, dear. What do we got? Sham Sharania just reported. The Rockets and Wizards have discussed a trade centered on Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Houston wants more assets. You know what? That's good. That's good. You know, you know how we talked the other day? Was it yesterday or the day before? I told you I was conflicted on what's, you know, this Russell Westbrook deal. You know, before I get to that. The Knicks missing out on, on CP3, I'm totally okay with that. Totally. Go to Phoenix. Go go contend. Go go make the playoffs. All right, cool. Wasn't a fan of trading for a 33-year-old point, 35-year-old point guard to begin with. Just makes no sense. The Knicks didn't need that. But as far as this Russell Westbrook stuff is, you know, allegedly wants out of Houston, doesn't want to play with James Harden. This doesn't surprise me or anybody. Like, these superstar teams... Come together with Harden and Westbrook, like conflicting interests here. Both guys want to be the guy. It's not possible. It's not possible. That's why it doesn't work out most of the time. You know, the the thing with Russell Westbrook is the fact of the matter is he wants to be the guy on a team. He doesn't want to be a guy. He wants to be the guy. And you know what? I've tried to map out some positives and negatives here for the Knicks trading for Russell Russell Westbrook. I came up with three positives. Still relatively young at 32 years old. 
The Knicks it would be the first star to come to the Knicks since Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire. And he's still an all-star level talent, you know, and stuff like that. But the negatives weigh are just so outweighing the positives here. Like, first of all, the Knicks would have to trade maybe their entire future for Russell Westbrook, considering what the Milwaukee Bucks had to give up for Drew Holiday last night just to maybe get Giannis to stay. That's just, I mean, for you, that's like, oh, Billy Bean is here again. You mean Billy King? Billy King, Billy Bean. That's that's baseball, stupid me. But that had to, when you saw that, you had to have flashbacks a little bit, pal. I mean, yeah, and, you know, that'll, uh, that's kind of the preview of a trade that we'll talk about in a little bit here. Sure. You will take front and center of, but. We're fine. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, like I said, the like the Knicks would have to give up the farm for Russell Westbrook. No, the, they, I don't think they would. Uh, I don't, Here, I don't know. On. Let's see if I could find this. Yeah, go ahead. I was just looking at a uh, mock draft of, um, of potential draft night trades that could happen. It wasn't mock draft. It was uh, potential trades that could happen on draft night. Uh, from Bleacher Report. And if Bleacher Report, this, the app decides to load, I could uh, offer you that information. But considering the app doesn't want to load right now, I'm just, you know, oh, here we go. Let's 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 find this again. Okay, realistic NBA draft trades. Let's scroll to the bottom. Cool. It's headlined, James Harden to Celtics, Russ to oh. Knicks, Jalen Brown and Picks to Rockets. Jeez. So the Celtics would receive James Harden and P.J. Tucker. The Knicks would receive Russell Westbrook. The Houston Rockets would receive Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, numbers 14, 26, and 30 overall picks, 2022 first-round pick, which is top five protected via the Celtics. Wow. The reason why the Knicks wouldn't have to give up, you know, an arm and a leg for Russell Westbrook is because his contract is literally horrific. $40 million a year. It's almost 50 in the last year of his contract. I think it's 48.7 or something like that. Add to the negative list. My God. Ugh. But, like, not even that, too. Russell Westbrook comes to the Knicks. Big expectations all of a sudden. Oh, Russell Westbrook's here. The Knicks, he's going to be on every poster board in New York City, Madison Square Garden, Russell Westbrook. Ah. The fact of the matter is instant expectations will not be met once Russell Westbrook lands at the Garden. It's just not going to happen. The Knicks are not going to compete. Well, maybe they will compete for an eighth seed in the, in the East. Maybe. But I don't think, you know, they... Let's be honest, the Nets might be the number one seed in the East if things work out the way that they might. But if you're the Knicks, oh, man, like, you get Russell Westbrook. You trade probably some potential good players. Like, if Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett's involved, like, then, then I'll just be really, really upset. You can't do that. But a big, to go with that, the big personality, the relationship with the media scares the crap out of me. Like Russell Westbrook's a great talent and all that, but it's New York freaking city, man. If you if this city will eat you up if you do stuff like he's done in Oklahoma City and done in Houston and shown shown his his you know his unhappiness wherever he's been. But and the only and I think the really big only motivation for acquiring Russell Westbrook was is to entice Giannis Antetokounmpo in twenty twenty one. Knicks fans, listen here, listen good. This is not happening. As much as I would love it and dream and farting rainbows that Giannis would come to the Knicks along with Russell Westbrook, cut the crap. He's not coming here. 
He's not coming here. There's a better chance now than there was yesterday, the day before that, that he might stay in Milwaukee and sign the Supermax deal just because they acquired Drew Holiday. Maybe. Uh, there's no concrete evidence of that happening. Knicks fans, we've been burned before. My fellow Knicks fans, my fellow Americans, we've been burned before by the big free agent, LeBron, uh, Kawhi Leonard, um, whoever else. Been burned by the big free agent. When are we going to learn? When? Seems like never. Because now I'm hearing in New York Daily News that Tom Thibodeau wants to make win-now moves. Hmm. When are we going to learn? When are we going to learn? Stop this. Get some help. But like... (sighs) I'm I'm miserable. It's a miserable... You have young pieces already in place. You have two number one picks coming up tomorrow. Build through the draft along with smart free agent moves. Bring Fred Van Fleet in here, please. Love it. Do the right thing. The Knicks were doing the right thing, and then all of a sudden, Leon Rose, World Wide West, this big, stupid gang of friggin' billionaire friggin' morons, know-it-alls, agents, comes in. Oh, let you know. Let's do the big fix. Let's let's get the free agent. Let's plan for this year. No, let's not do that. Been burned like that before. When will the Knicks ever learn? Russell Westbrook is not the answer. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You get Russell Westbrook. Oh, that you know, the Knicks are relevant. How long? How long is Russell Westbrook's contract? Probably um... what three more years, maybe. I can pull it up for you real quick. Let's just say it's two or three more years. And the thing I heard on the radio today was just asinine. A Knicks fan called on FAN today and was like, oh, getting Russell Westbrook would make the Knicks relevant. Like, that's your standard? That's your standard as being relevant? If the Knicks build the right way and acquire top free agent talent along with building to the draft... You're not relevant for just two, three years. You're relevant for five to ten years. Can we think to the future, please? Especially, you know, if the Knicks draft correctly and make good moves, okay? They don't do that. They don't do that. So why should I have any confidence that would happen? But I'm saying, if you're any NBA team, you're going to go for the quick fix when obviously you don't have all the pieces. You get Russell Westbrook, you're, you're losing pieces in the process and probably losing a little bit of draft capital. You're, you're sacrificing your future here. For what, two to three years of being relevant? I understand the Knicks haven't been relevant in close to freaking ten years, let's be honest. Well, come on, people. Set the bar a little higher, would you? Damn. I'm sick and tired of it. I really am. Like, we're, we're, we're settling with being relevant. Why? Why? Because the Nets are probably going to go to the NBA Finals? Admit it, Knicks fans. We're scared of the Brooklyn Nets. Just admit it. I'm not afraid to admit it. They got KD. They got Kyrie. They're probably going to get James Harden. It's still a Nick town. Stop it. Stop. Yeah. Congrats. Stop. You have an arena. Like, I'm a rare Nick fan. I'm wearing the Nick hat right now. I don't know why I feel like a, I feel like I'm getting dumber just putting it on my head. But, like, just admit it. Like, okay, we're the second best team in New York City right now. Why don't Nick? I don't understand why it gives me headaches. I want to smash my head against this freaking microphone. The Nets did it the right way. The Nets built the team and acquired capital and acquired draft picks. 
required cap space in order to get KD and Kyrie and potentially James Harden. Learn from your neighbors. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. So just, just going to Russell Westbrook's contract quick. He has three more years on his deal. Uh, he is owed $41.3 million this year, $44.2 million next year, and $47.06 million in 2022-23. We're going to pay him close to what? It'd be like Do 100, 120 plus million dollars. You're going to pay him 120 plus million dollars for three in three years and three year span to be relevant. <laughs> to be relevant, not compete for a championship. No, stupid ass. Can't. Can't do well, it. you know the Knicks actually have to figure out their draft situation. I could care because, less about that too, honestly. You know, RJ Barrett. You know. Didn't look fantastic last year. You know, he had he had some flashes, but you know, uh, I like didn't, him. I like him. He's a good player. You know, he just you know for a top three pick, you know, he's not as you know fantastic as maybe what you thought you were getting right away. You know, what obviously time. he can. What time left? Yeah, he can he can develop and you know progress into a, a star player. But the fact you have Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox, um, get them all out. Get him out. Who else did you draft? I, I couldn't even name who else the Knicks have drafted because it's been that irrelevant. Uh, what did you say? Nilakina, Knox. I mean, RJ. That's that's RJ, all I can. Could... Mitchell Robinson, they draft in the second round. Okay, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, that's did it. They, did they draft Trier at one point? Yes, they did. Well, he was an, un, he was an undrafted. Uh, no, he was an undrafted oh. free agent, I think. Um, yeah. But that's the, that's the point. And it's not like the Knicks have any capital that they're worth that that's worth giving up for Russell Westbrook. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's probably a hall. He's definitely a hall of famer. But like, to be relevant, that's where the bar is. To be relevant for two to three years. And you think getting Russell Westbrook is going to bring Giannis Antetokounmpo here to New York and save the Knicks? Stop it. If that happens. If that happens, I'll wear my Patrick Ewing jersey. I'll wear my Knicks hat on this podcast, and I'll tell you I was wrong. The Knicks got Giannis. That's not going to freaking happen, though. Enough. Enough. Such frustration. I don't even know where to go. Don't even know. And I want the Knicks to be good. That's the worst thing about it. I root for this team. I want them to be good. What do you got there? um, I'm looking at a mock draft for for the NBA draft. Right. Um, this has the Knicks at eight taking Tyrese Hallie Burton. That's okay. From Iowa State. That's okay. Listen, I haven't. Um, I'd be lying to you if I said I did a deep dive in the NBA draft this year because everybody has, right? And then you know, with the trade potential trade, we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, go uh, ahead. The go Nets, ahead and go with the Nets. That. The Nets pick at nineteen. This has uh the mock draft has the Nets taking Cole Anthony at nineteen. But. All right, you know, the, the the actual relevant thing, and the relevant team in this town, sorry. Um, Don't be sorry, I just said the, it. The relevant trade, James Harden to Brooklyn. <laughs> now. Big three, baby. Big three. I'm just going to come out with to say this. I don't want this. I have been, you know, I think I've said it on the show for the past year or so. I believe that Carol Silver could be the third star of this team. As he should be. And by doing that, you keep the depth available with Spencer Dinwiddie because, you know, who we who knows? Kyrie Irving's probably going to get hurt at some point in the next year. Fair. So you have Spencer Dinwiddie, a very formidable six-man coming off the bench. 
You have Jared Allen as, you know, he looks like a very good, you know, center for the future. You have DeAndre Jordan behind him. Obviously, I'd rather have Jared Allen play, but, you know, the, the Nets are no longer in rebuild mode. They're in win-now mode. Do I want to trade, like, seven first-round picks for James Harden, for two years of James Harden, potentially more if you can figure out the cap and sign all three for more years? Do I want to do that? The answer is absolutely not. We've been through the Billy King Celtics trade already once before, and we've seen the Celtics get players like Jalen Brown, like Jason Tatum. Granted, the Nets, you know, this isn't going to probably go south like the Nets did with Paul Pierce and Kim Garnett and Jason Terry. The Nets aren't going to be picking top five, I mean, in five years when, you know, they still owe the Rockets about five first-round picks, they could be. But I also don't like James Harden. Not a fan of James Harden, not a fan of the way he plays his freaking BS Pump fake, lean into the guy, flop like you're getting shot out of the upper deck. Oh, foul, three-point. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. The fact that he brought that into the game of basketball pisses me off. So if you could tell by my tone of voice, I don't want this crap. I do not want James Harden. I don't want Sean Marks to literally throw away the entire future of the Brooklyn Nets. That he built. Seasons. He did. He did. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see Karras gone. Don't want to see Jarrett gone. Don't want to see Spencer gone. I mean, Spencer, I've kind of always thought that he would be traded at some point just because, you know, he's kind of, you know, surplus requirements at this point. But I don't want to trade James Harden. I don't want to get James Harden for seven first-round picks. Karras, Jared Allen, freaking Rodion's Kuruks, and Spencer Dinwiddie, and potentially more. Who the heck knows? Like, I don't want to do that. And all, in, all intentions are pointing towards it's probably going to happen, and we don't know what the deal would be. I don't want it. I don't want it. Don't want nothing. I don't want anything to do with it. James Harden's next three years, as far as the contract goes, $41 million, $44 million, $47 million. Yeah, Un- so he's on the same thing as Russ. Unrestricted free agent in 2023. So he has three more years. I think Katie and Kyrie have three more years, two or three more years, too. So, you're obvi- oh, obviously you're not on board with this. I'm not either. But because, you know, we think the same way as in, you know, you got to build in the future, you know, you got to think to the future. But at the same time, the, the Nets championship window is as long as KD and Kyrie's contract, right? Yeah, I mean, do I really see them re-signing them afterwards? I mean, Kyrie, maybe just because he's younger than KD, but I don't know. We'll see. So I, I kind of think at the same time. Like if you were to like obviously if you if the Nets were to acquire James Harden for I mean maybe just a couple draft picks and maybe one or two like maybe one player then you'd be on more on board with it because that big three you're going to the NBA Finals like like you hope you hope but the way James Harden plays the game I agree with you Scott he's uh, and I don't think he can coincide with KD and Kyrie already being there. And James Harden's going to be one of the guys. He's not the guy. That's the that's the I think that's the same exact problem with Russell Westbrook. James Harden wants to be the guy, have the ball in his hands 90% of the time. That's not going to happen with KD and Kyrie on this team, especially Kyrie. Like K, KD, you know, he he shares the wealth a little bit. We saw that in Golden State. Kyrie's not that way. He's just not. And I just don't see how it works. I really don't. I see it working you know, in Philadelphia, I could see James Harden working in Philly with with Embiid because I think they'd have to ship Simmons out. 
I could see it working in Philly, but not with the Nets. I can't see it working there. But it, but I don't either. It's. I feel like if the Nets do pull this off, which it's kind of likely that it's going to. At the end of the day, what the Nets gave up is is going to be an afterthought if they win a championship. Obviously, honestly, if they do this, they have to win two. Yeah, I I mean, I I agree with that. I agree. They have to win back to back. That's a lot of pressure, but. Especially with a first-time head coach. That's the other thing. I mean, granted, they do have... See, this is a thing that I honestly haven't thought about yet, which I should have. Does James Harden really like Mike D'Antoni? Because obviously he just coached him in Houston for a number of years, and now he's on the coaching staff for the Nets. Right. But the, I think that's a little different because Mike D'Antoni is not the voice. On that team. Yeah, but he's a veteran guy, and Steve Nash is going to turn to him just because he has such a good relationship with him because of his time in Phoenix. That's true, but at the same time, we know who's running the show in Brooklyn. You know that. It's KD. You know it's K- KD and Kyrie, I-, I would I would argue. But you you know who's running the show there. Whoever wants stuff to happen, it's going to go through Kevin Durant and Kyrie. It's going to go through them. It's going to go through all of them at this point if they get James Harden. So, I mean... It's just like... You know, everything that us Nets fans have, you know, gone through the past however many years of Sean Marks and Sean Marks we trust and building this team and, you know, drafting well. And, you know, I didn't even throw in Nick Claxton. He'll probably have to be in the freaking trade too. What's the roster going to be? Are you going to be able to field five guys and that's it? Like, who's who's going to be on the roster? Like, you, you know, you could probably bring back Joe Harris on his bird rights because if they don't do that, holy crap. <laughs> um. Like they're rolling out three guys there. They're rolling out Harden, KD, and Kyrie. That's it. Like, you got to yeah, have bench then, depth, uh, too. DeAndre bench Jordan. depth is huge. Exactly. I mean, the Lakers kind of proved that you could win without one. They didn't really have much depth. But, um, you know, I think you could also see Serge Ibaka come in here if this happens because there's been strong mutual interest between the two. I mean, we're pretty much recreating the 2012 Thunder. Or for, uh, besides Russell Westbrook, who it seems like no one really likes. No. Not at all. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's going to happen. I think, you know, with the drafts coming tomorrow night, this is going to be done either tonight or tomorrow before the draft because I think Sean Marks is going to want to include the this year's pick. So it, you know, takes away another year of not having your first-round pick in the future. Um, if Sean Marks sticks this out for a while – he kind of proved that he could rebuild a team in the first place already. So do we trust him doing that five years down the line when this is going to eventually implode and there's going to be nothing that the Brooklyn Nets have in terms of assets? I mean, you kind of have to. The track record I mean, let's be, speaks for itself already. But let's be honest, too. Sean Marks, most of his draft picks, or like not most, but some of his draft picks that he's hit on have been late firsts, early seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, you could take on a, a first-round pick for someone you you, you know, salary dump uh, like you know in the future and the nets a couple the past couple years have traded out of the first round i mean nick claxon was a second round pick um rodeons was a second round pick they just traded john on musa he was a late first round pick i mean karis was picked in the 20s i think um well i I don't know i've just come to love karis levert like i've said it for the last year or so i think he's a future star i think he's the third star on this team I just don't really want to see him go. Um, 
I mean, he showed to you in the bubble that he has major potential. I mean, he was the reason why this team almost went six and two in the eight games uh, before the playoffs started. And he almost single-handedly beat the trailblazers um, in that last game that they played before the playoffs. I don't know. I also really like Jared Allen. I think he's a really good player. He's a great defender, uh, rim protector. Um, he's starting to come to his own offensively. Um, I, I understand the window is win now, but I don't know. This this trade makes me more upset than it excites me. I mean, maybe maybe I'll change my mind when you know they start playing games and they're blowing teams out by thirty and scoring one hundred and forty points. But of you know, but then you're gonna but then you're gonna turn back to him. You, you know when. Team chemistry is not not well because one guy wants the ball and that's well how apparently it goes. K- Kyrie and KD have been working out with Harden over this time in LA so but you don't see that you don't um, you don't see that being a problem I mean I don't see KD having a problem with it it's Kyrie that's going to be the issue but let's be honest and Kyrie you, has and, played and, with LeBron and before and like, do you want and and look who took the big shot when the Cavs beat the beat the Warriors in the finals. Yeah, but he knows what it's like to be, you know, second fiddle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Listen, I, I – all this BS that's flung around about Kyrie Irving, I think it's just a bunch of Boston BS because their media up there, you know – Hates him for some reason. They, they – honestly, they're just like assholes in general. Like, their media people just suck. So I think they, you know, spew all this BS about him – that makes everyone else think that, oh, he's like this locker room cancer. He's a terrible guy or whatever. And, you know, he kind of agreed to be second fiddle on this team anyway when he signed with KD. Like, let's be honest. Chris right. Broussard also. What has Chris Broussard ever spewed out of his mouth that has been any what relevant? He is. He said that KD is not in the conversation or is nowhere near the conversation of being a top five player of all time. What? Really? Just because I, I think, you know, obviously I was not a KD guy before he signed here um, in Brooklyn because of his, you know, BS that he pulled in Golden State. But, um, like, you can't – he's just kind of downplaying, like, how good of a player he is. And I, I think that, you know, people are worried about this Achilles injury. It was on his, like, non-power leg. Like, you know, when you go for layups, you know, he's going to push off his left leg because he's a righty. And rumor has it that he's, you know, people have been looking at these workouts saying that he's as good as ever. Yeah, like, he blew his right Achilles, which is, you know, not the least important one of the two. I I think he's going to come back and, you know, start firing on all cylinders again. You hope. Until he proves otherwise, but... (sighs) We forget forget that KD, whether they get James Harden or not, KD is the X factor in all this. Oh, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know... Nets fans honestly forget that we have Kevin Durant on our freaking team. Like he didn't play all last year. It's hard. It's it's, kind of easy to forget. I don't know. I just wanted to see this team, you know, as the team that's been built for a couple years and they get to reap the benefits as well. Like Jared Allen has worked his tail off to develop into the player that he is. Karras, you know, you know, even though he battles through some injuries, he's a fantastic player. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is, come from nothing in in the nets to Kenny Atkinson developing him into the player that he is today. It's just, I don't know. I I've come to really like these players just because, you know, I, I mean, I was also last year in this the free agent sweepstakes. I wanted us to keep D'Angelo Russell and just sign KD and that have that be the big two, just because, you know, these are the guys that have been in the process and, you know, 
undergone the rebuild for the past couple of years. And now, you know, you're just going to throw all that away and your potential future for a guy that, yeah, may win you two or three championships, which is, you know, I guess we kind of downplay the fact of, you know, how important championships are considering we haven't experienced one and we've experienced one in our lifetime pretty much. And that one we could barely even experience. Yeah. Like the devil's ones. We have no way. Like, at least we've, we seen, them, at least we've final, seen them go to the final, yeah. Yeah, like the Jets, we've seen two AFC championship games, but of, of course they lost. Like the Nets have given me nothing but, you know, 11 win seasons. Um, <laughs> the Knicks, had the a Knicks haven't given game. you anything. The Knicks had a 54 win season and, you know, getting knocked out a couple times by Indiana and the Heat and battles with Boston, but nothing really to ride home about. So that's a no on James Harden, I'm taking <laughs> So no, but it's gonna happen. It's a hard. So I guess one. I have to uh, come around to it. So no James Harden jersey for you for this Christmas. I mean, I'll probably get something if uh, he's a net. If he's a net, but like again, I, I think it's just like you know my affinity to Karis Silver and you know Jared Allen and. I feel like Nets fans are kind of divided on this. Yeah. Like, do you know how Sean feels? Your our, our friend Sean, who's also a, a um, Nets fan. I've talked to him about it. I, I, he's definitely told me. I maybe I, he hasn't like given me a strong inkling, but I think he does like it. Mm. Um, I mean, it's hard not to like when I said that the championship window is now. Like it's these next two years. This is their championship window. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think he wants it mainly because you know we can. Uh, push it in the face of Nick fans and continue to them for them to be relevant. And the Nets are rating. The Knicks are, the Knicks are only irrelevant because of what they do themselves. They only shoot themselves in the foot. That's what it is. You have an arena. Congratulations. Yes, we do. And really, is that even that important? What, what big event between the Knicks and Rangers has happened in the garden in the past I mean, I guess the Rangers a couple Stanley Cup finals, but the Big East tournament. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most riveting thing that's in that arena, and it's not even the two professional teams. Oh man! And the UFC, the UFC has held held more profile, more high, high profile events in that arena. New York sports than the Knicks and Rangers. New York sports just drains us. Like, I don't know how we've been able to do this this long with just not going crazy. You imagine yeah. if we were. You imagine if we were doing this when the Nets had eleven win seasons. Imagine that'd be brutal. Oy, I mean, we're doing it right now when the Jets are rowing nine. So going on zero and sixteen, baby. All right, Please. we'll take our final break. We come back. Tri-State Sportsbook. We'll do our picks when we come back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Kids with the catch. Show me the money. Winners, 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 winners. Hopefully, we give you some winners. Hopefully. It is now time for the Tri-State Sportsbook here um i you know we'll preview a little bit of the our nfl picks sure. this week i finally had a uh, two and one week bounce back a little bit um and then my two counterparts both had one and two weeks so i uh, stink i stink you know you could have went two and one if nick chubb didn't know screw you i hate him i hate him but uh you know the kneeling on the two-point conversion to make sure the Kick didn't get blocked. Thank you, it, thank you, Cliff Kingsbury. I always loved you. Thank you. It uh, canceled the, the those canceled themselves out. Yeah, I mean, didn't win me much. I mean, maybe I won ten dollars, but I mean, 
Ugh, horrible, horrible. Wait, no, you no. also put in a uh, late Ravens bet that did not. Ugh, worst bet of my career. <laughs> worst bet of my career. I would, cause you know what? I was like, ugh, one and two, really? Like, I, I gotta, I gotta get something back here, and that's how, uh, that's how you lose more, ladies and gents. It's not good. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's just not. It's not good. Well, you know what? We're gonna bounce back, my riders. Don't worry. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> don't you worry. All right, but um, I'll go first, I guess. I'll dabble in a little bit of Thursday Night Football. Cardinals at Seahawks. I will take the Cardinals' money line because the Seahawks stink. Jamal Adams stinks. Uh, the defense stinks. Russell Wilson, uh, I don't want to say that he's washed, but um, if you if we talk Definitely to not Pat, washed, just we, struggling a little bit. Well, our Seahawks friend Pat, if you listen to the old NSP Sports Podcast days. Um, Was that three years ago? Our friend, yeah, I think it was more than that. Our friend Pat, diehard Seahawks fan and Kevin Durant fan, um, said that Russell we- uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson is is washed, and uh, uh, it's kind of a hot take, Pat. That that he did say that. He said that he's washed. Wow, Pat is uh, struggling with his Seahawks fandom right now because he's usually a uh, Russell Wilson lover. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with the Cardinals money line here. That I mean, that Hale Murray was just fantastic. It was fantastic, especially when I thought. You know the bill. I, when I thought the Bills were winning this game, I was like, "All right, that's that's an easy win for me." They go right down the field and they do what they do. So the Cardinals are gonna the Cardinals are riding high. I think they beat the Seahawks on the road. So give me the Cardinals money line plus one fifty. College football. I'm not very good at college football gambling, and one of these reasons is because I pick Syracuse every week. I'm gonna pick Syracuse again plus eighteen at Louisville. Jeez. Syracuse fan. I mean, come on, Syracuse at Louisville. It's easy. Syracuse is minus one hundred eight. Uh, plus 18, I'll take it all day. And then, head to the Big Ten, Indiana at Ohio State. I'll take Indiana plus the 20 and a half. Could be a potential future. A lot of points. A lot of points. Ah. A lot of points, right? Indiana looks good, even though they beat crappy Michigan. Yes, Michigan is crappy. Jim Harbaugh, do not come to the Jets. I don't want you. I'll pick, I'll, I'll take Indiana plus 20 and a half. Ohio State's great, don't get me wrong. But, you know, potential Jets quarterback, Justin Fields, uh, Give me Indiana plus 20 and a half. I think they keep it a little closer. So Cardinals money line, Syracuse plus 18, Indiana plus 20 and a half. Parlay of that, $10 will win you $90.23. Total odds of 802. Scott, what do you got? Okay, so I uh, have three bets in the football world. Good. Two American, one European. Oh, wow. Um, first, I'm also going to take Thursday night football, and I'm just going to take the Cardinals plus the three and a half. Two. Uh, I think this is, you know, Great spots for the Cardinals, uh, and I'll take them plus three and a half. Next, we are going to England. We are going to take the good old West Ham United to beat Sheffield United at plus 155. Um, And then LSU minus two and a half against Arkansas. Okay. Uh, A $10 wager would win you $92 or a total payout of $92.04 with odds at plus 820. Scott, as... The audience may not know Scott's a big West Ham guy, big West Ham guy. Yeah. So are you feeling confident about that one or what? I mean, Sheffield uh, hasn't won a game yet this year. Good. So you should feel confident in that. Very good. I don't think they've won a game yet. I think they've barely scored a goal. I think yeah. two. They are the Jets league. of the English Premier League. Um, Sheffield is currently in twentieth place. <laughs> They are 0-1-7, so they've drew once and lost seven times. They have a current goal differential of minus 10. Um, and 
they have scored four goals and conceded 14. And I'm pretty sure two of those four goals have been penalties. Maybe more. So, uh, but in walks West Ham. So that, that Sheffield will probably get the first win, but, uh, you know. Hopeful there. Hopeful there. Yeah. All right, pal. I think that does it, unless you got anything else. Don't think so. Don't think so? No more. You don't want to rant more about James Harden? I think we got plenty of that. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think it's uh All right, final prediction. Does it happen tonight? I think it happens tomorrow. Okay. Do you think it definitely happens? Uh, I do. You like Wait, nine... before we go. Okay. What do you think of the new Devils Reverse Retro jersey? Oh. Pre-order one right now. They're fantastic. I don't know how I feel about them. I love, like the white version a lot love better. Love the green. Love the green. The Islanders ones are stupid. They're just their jerseys. And the Rangers ones, I mean, Lady Liberty's kind of cool, I guess. I thought they were going to be better. Yeah, I did. I love the green. Love the green. I will buy one. I will definitely buy one off Fanatics when they're available. That's just... You don't like them that much? I'm kind of surprised. Um, it's kind of a neon green. them. I don't hate them, but I like the white version better from a couple of years I do, ago. I do, too. I do, too. But uh, I'm so surprised. Bright color, bright green color, nice pop on the red devil logo. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. What? But, I, just, um, but I do what? I do love the Hartford Whalers jerseys. Those are very yes. nice. Hartford Whalers, the the, the flying, was it the flying ducks or the, the mighty, yeah. Is it, the, what do they call it? The mighty ducks jerseys or do they call it Yeah, those else? are kind of weird. I love I've never them. seen that logo before. I love them. I might buy one of those. Might get one. How do you feel about the Coyotes ones? Mm, I think it's it kind of. I mean, there's a lot of purple in that, right? A lot of purple. It's like a desert-like landscape on the bottom. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't actually see the whole thing. I saw uh, you know a couple pictures of it. It's fine. I think that I think they wear something eerily similar, but it's like black. It's got you know it's got that same logo on it. I think the Kachina jerseys. Yeah. Or whatever. I think that's what they're called. But nothing beats the Jets' stealth black jerseys. Nothing beats it. So so they say. The new uniform, stupid, same team. All right, on that note, I think we're done here. That does it for our newest episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Thank you all for sticking around. Hope you all enjoyed, as always. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TSSB Pod for daily updates on all nine New York sports teams. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the Radio.com app, as well as any of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, our fan line is open 24-7-862-260-4315. Stay tuned for weekly bonus content, including our weekly NFL picks and all that stuff. Thank you all so much for listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat, and we will see you next week. Namaste, and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye! Magazine, salt and pepper, and heavy tea up in the limousine. Hanging trenches on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Hello, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I love your corners. I pack your soul. I love your corners. I pack your soul. I love your corners. I pack your soul. I love your corners. I pack your soul.